And today we start a new parsha. And these are Toldos Yitzchak ben Avram, the descendants of Isaac, the son of Avram. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. What are we trying to say that Avram gave birth to Yitzchak? So according to Rashi, there were people who were doubting whether Yitzchak was Avram's son, and therefore Hashem made them look like two drops of water. They looked exactly alike. Now, Yitzchak was 40 years old when he married Rivka, the daughter of Bituel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, who, and she was the sister of Lavan the Aramean, and he took as a wife, and this uh, character, Lavan, is going to play quite a feature in next week's Parcha. Now, although she came from a bit of a dodgy family, she ended up to be extremely ethical and moral. Now, according to Rashi, she was three years old when she got married, so for ten years she was unable to even um, contemplate falling pregnant, and only after ten years did she even... After ten years later, in other words, from 13 to 23, she prayed to have a child, and finally at the age of 23, and her husband was 60, did she realize that there's a problem, and she started really praying very hard to have a baby. Now, Yitzchak was insistent that because he was an oila tmima, in other words, he was a sacrifice that was about to be sacrificed for God by that keda, and that he was on a, a certain level, that he should not take a bondswoman, he should not have a second wife, and if he has children, it will come through this wife, Rivka. They davened and davened, and Isaac pleaded, and his wife pleaded, and Hashem responded, and Rivka conceived. She had twins. Now, the first one to be conceived developed deeper inside the womb than the second, who developed position to be born first. And therefore, Jacob, although he was born second, in some way, he was actually the firstborn, or rather, first conceived. The children struggled within her. She would pass the academy of Shem and Aver, who were the great sages and the great-great-grandparents of her and her husband. Jacob would start kicking. When she would pass the temple of idol worship, Asa would start kicking. And they would also fight between themselves which one would inherit the blessings of the physical world and which one the blessings of the world to come. Basically, it was not a pleasant pregnancy. Not knowing she was carrying twins, she said, if the pain of pregnancy is so great, why did I pray for it? Like, that's how painful it was. So she went to Academy of Shem and Aver to choir of God what exactly was causing this absolute madness. And God told Shem to tell her that the fathers... The founders of two nations are in your womb. They will both be powerful. And in the future, their two leaders will be both world-renowned for their wealth. At a certain stage of history, there were two leaders. The leader of Rome was Marcus Aurelius Antoninus from the year 161 to 180 Common Era. And Rabbi Huda Nasi was 165 to 195 Common Era. And at that time, they both were very powerful leaders um, who actually got along. But in general, it refers to the, the, throughout history, the two nations of Rome, the West, and the Jewish nation. These powers that will diverge the moment they emerge from within you. The younger will be predisposed towards righteousness, and the elder towards wickedness. Furthermore, although they both be powerful, they will never yield equal power, never wield equal power. 
When one rises, the other will fall and vice versa. The upper hand will pass from one power to the other and back again. But nonetheless, even when the elder has the upper hand, the elder and his descendants will always serve the younger and his descendants, even if they're not aware of it, but ultimately they will be in the service of the younger, the Jewish people. Her pregnancy reached full term. One of the twins in her womb was predisposed to wickedness, so therefore she did not marry to have a quick pregnancy, and she had to go through the full nine months. The first one emerged ruddy, meaning that this was a hint that he would be a shedder of blood. He was all red, full of hair, all over like a woolen cloak that is covered with hair. And everyone present said, present said Asui, he's completed. Asav, that's what the name Asav comes from. He's like, he's ready-made, he's like fully matured. And the name stuck. His brother then emerged, and his hand was grasping Asav's heel. This was a precursor, this was a potent that the nation that would descend from him would rise to power on the heels of a nation that descend from Asav. And as soon as Rome began to fade, the former would wrest dominion from it. Please God with the coming of Mashiach. He was also born grasping Asaph's heel because he was conceived first. He wanted to emerge first and receive the birthright. God named the second son Yaakov, Akev, heel, by inspiring Isaac to give this name, recalling how he was born grasping Asaph's heel. So Yaakov, that Yitzchak got the inspiration to give that name. Jacob was born circumcised. Isaac was in the 60th year and Rebekah gave birth to him. Now, although Asaph was incl- inclined towards sensuality from birth, his grandfather Avram taught him well, and the positive influence inspired him to channel his inclinations positively. But that didn't last long. When the boys grew to maturity and turned 13, two years before their dad, their grandfather Avram died, they chose divergent paths. Jacob continued to be a goody-goody, and studying and living a beautiful life. Esav continued to make believe as if he was a, a sweetheart, but... In secret, he pursued a life of absolute sensualism and just chasing pleasure. Now, Asa became an expert at fooling his father. He would ask him very pious questions. Do I have to tithe from salt? And all these kind of technical questions, halachic questions that made him sound very profound, and Yitzchak fell for it. In reality, however, Asa was an undisciplined man who spent his time in the field hunting animals and birds, and Yaakov was an innocent sweetheart, not pretending to be anything he was not. He went to live in a yeshiva of Shem and Aver, study Torah. Isaac loved Esav for the game he provided, the animal, the, the food, the meat, from his hunting, and because he was deceived by his cunning words. Rivka saw through the bluff. She grew up in a home of a bunch of bluffers, so she knew exactly what bluff looks like. And she loved Yaakov. By the time Esav turned 15, he was eager to start living his chosen immoral life openly. Although Avram was going to learn, live another five years to the age of 180, Hashem shortened his life by five years so he would not have to witness his grandson going off the rails, and that's why Avram died in the year 2123 at the age of 175. His son Isaac, on the other hand, lived the full 180 years, as we'll explore later. On the day that Avram passed away, Jacob was cooking a stew of red lentils to serve his father, as was customary meal for the mourners. Round lentils remind us that life is a circle, and that mourning is part of life. Asaph came in from the field exhausted. <clears throat> what was he exhausted about? 
he actually committed murder that day. It was quite uh, intense. According to the Medrash, he actually killed the king Nimrod um, at that time. Now, Esau tells Yaakov, feed me a gulp of that red, red stuff, for I'm exhausted. And that's why he was given the name Edom, Red Adom. Now, Yaakov knew that Esau's birthright, the firstborn, included duty and privilege of offering the family sacrifices. But since Esau acted like such a degenerate, he was unworthy of the privilege. So Jacob says, I'll feed you, but you sell me your birthright without negotiate, without any possibility of you taking it back. So the transaction will be as clear as day. Esau saw that the day would come when the privilege of offering up sacrifices would no longer belong to the firstborn. He had that vision. Furthermore, he asked Jacob, why do you want the birthright anyway? Jacob said, offering sacrifices is a very serious and important occupation, because if you do it incorrectly, it's serious punishment. Some infringements, like doing it when you're drunk, or with hair that has not been cut for 30 days, can be punishable by death. So Esau says, look, hey, dude, like, you know what, if this is the case, man, just take a brother. I'm going to die anyway. And after my death, my birthright will not go through that degeneration, so I don't need to take it. Jacob said, make an oath. So he made an oath and sold his birthright to Esau. Jacob then gave Esau bread and the lentil stew. He ate, drank, got up and left, and Esau spurned the birthright. As he was unfortunately just going off the rails, he didn't even appreciate that gift. Dalia continues, there was a famine in the land this was besides the famine that was in the days of Avram. So Isaac had to leave Hebron and went to where his father went to Gerar. Remember, Avram had to leave twice. Once he went to Egypt, and this time he went to Gerar. Now, Gerar was not part of Israel um, proper, but it's going to be part of the future Israel. The coming of Mashiach will have that part of the land. So therefore, Hashem was comfortable with him going there, but not going to Egypt. Because he had previously thought of going down to Egypt. Hashem said, don't go to Egypt. You're a sacred animal. You have the status of a sacrificial animal. It's not befitting you to live outside the Israel where people are not yet conscious of God's presence. Live in the land which I tell you. Go to Philista. Settle in Gerar. Although it's not, as I said, part of the land that I promised Avram, but it is the future land of Israel. It will eventually become part of the Holy Land. Stay in the land, and even though it has also been somewhat affected by the famine, I'll be with you and I'll bless you. I'll give these lands to you and your descendants, and I'll fulfill the oath I made for your father Avram. I will make your descendants as numerous that you will not be able to count them, just like the stars in the sky, and give all these lands to your descendants, and all the nations of the earth will bless themselves by saying the names of your descendants. When someone will want to bless their children, they'll say, may you be like Yitzchak's children. Why do I give you these blessings? Because your father listened to my voice when I tested him and voluntarily chose to keep the teachings of the Torah even when he wasn't required to. There are certain commandments I gave humanity explicitly and others people took voluntarily and others that I commanded expressly, like circumcision. But above and beyond all this, he observed my restrictions, the, un- the unofficial safeguards, the extra halacha, my commandments, the, the, the laws that human intellect can achieve, my rules, the commandments that don't have any logical explanation. And he studied my Torah, both the written Torah and the oral expression, because your father was such a pious fellow, 
I bless you. Amen.